0: Welcome to Beautifully Woven, a WMCLB podcast. God faithfully weaves an intricate tapestry as he forms our beautiful, messy stories. We pray as you join us today, you will feel encouraged, valued, and less alone as we share in life and ministry together.
1: All right. So today we're looking at Together in the Word, and I have with me here Gretchen Ronovic which I'm super excited about that she's coming on. I know a lot of us know who you are, Gretchen, but for those that don't, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, so I am a mom of six kids, and um, my oldest is graduating this year from Hillcrest, and I homeschool the rest. We live on a farm in Minnesota, um, just outside of Fergus Falls, and I'm also a writer and a speaker, so um, that's kind of my my part-time, my part-time gig. Um, So I wrote a book, Ragged, Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Exhausted, and um, I speak at women's retreats and and conferences and things like that as well.
1: So Gretchen, you are excited about getting women into God's word. Um, I know that's something that is important to you. And yeah. I guess I'm just asking, uh, why is that and, and what sparked a deeper passion for God's word in your life?
0: Yeah, I, I think getting women in the word is really, really important because it's a place of, of comfort. It's a place where um, we can see God for who he says he is instead of kind of unpacking a lot of the, the things that we think about God that may or may not be true. It's just it's it's a place where we can find truth, and I think that there's so so many different messages being sent to women that grounding them in truth is is a safe haven. It's it's a comfort. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think that I've probably gotten the word a lot just because being discipled, I I think of various people throughout my life, um, my grandpa, my mom, various Sunday school teachers and youth leaders who really brought the word alive through teaching it to me, that Mm. it's it's just become a place that I run to,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really good. So we often read devotionals and digest sermons or speakers and uh, those things are, they're all good things. But I think opening our Bibles and just reading Scripture alone can feel intimidating. Why do you think that is? Like, how did your and and how did your mentors uh, that you're just talking about kind of encourage mm-hmm. you to do that?
0: Yeah, I I remember one of my uncles when I was just starting to read, saying, "You know, you can just you can just read the Bible. You're you're old enough to." And I felt like it was like. Oh I'm old enough and I actually didn't understand a lot for a really long time <laughs> yeah but but I thought hey i'm I'm big enough but I think as far as like comparing to um, devotionals or other things, I think they definitely have their place but for a while I kind of thought about okay well well reading just a devotional doesn't quote unquote count towards having devotions with God or um and I still fully believe that um, getting the straight up word is the best way to go about it. I think one thing that has taught me is that I think we try to um, read the Bible by ourselves, which is a good thing to do. But one thing that I teach women often is this can just as easily be a communal exercise mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes even better There's one Bible study that I was teaching once. Uh, We were going through the book of Hebrews. And each week we read a chapter of Hebrews every day. So like the first week we read chapter one every day of the week. And we would just write down questions or observations. And then when we got together, we all brought our questions. And one of the ladies in the study was just like, I like that we all bring questions. Even you bring questions because it, it makes me feel more like I'm not standing out because I don't understand. Yeah. And so it kind of set an expectation of it's okay to not understand everything right away. And this is part of the community of saints where we get to go through this together. So I, I think it's intimidating because all of us are acutely aware. And there's some weird stuff in the Bible. Like you 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 read some stuff and, you know, like I I've been reading through the other day about how women should have their head covers covered because of the angels. Like what on earth does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a lot of things that are, are just like, I don't, I don't know what this means, but making a, a place where it's okay to say that. And it's okay. It's okay. If you don't know everything, and this isn't a test, this is something um, that you're allowed to wrestle through and, and talk about. And, um, so yeah, that that's one thing I, I like to teach women as well is it's okay if you don't know right away. And it's okay if you wrestle with it for a long time because that's actually normal yeah. for a, a devotional time. It's not something it's not a quiz. Yeah. And I think um, there's a lot of women who who come to studies or do devotional studies and feel like I don't know enough or I um, people are gonna find out how much I don't know. And to to admit that we all don't understand some things. And we're all learning and we're all in the midst. It, it can sometimes bring the pressure down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's this misconception that as the leader, you have to know everything about um, that passage and um, whether you're leading a Bible study or mentoring someone and um, you feel like you need to have the answers. And, and I think that that is just, it's such a misconception that kind of keeps us afraid of mm-hmm. of those positions of um just getting in there and and the truth is is like even my husband who's a pastor is like i don't know all the answers like i yeah. have to go to commentaries <laughs> i like email my my old professors and have questions for them and we dialogue mm-hmm. a little bit about things mm-hmm. and sometimes even there like you know this is just a little little bit of uh, something that we just have to wrestle with a little bit. And I think that it's really freeing to hear from our, our leaders that that it is good to to wrestle and have questions. And it's almost better, I think, to have questions than to feel like you have it all together and you have all the answers. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. That, that's a little more scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So do you think there's any like like when you, when we open up the Bible and we just start reading, do you feel like there are cautions that we should be aware of, um, when we're just getting in and looking at it on our own? I I would say
0: yes. Um, I, I would definitely say yes. I, I have learned one thing that, um, I think all of us are prone to do is, um, like here in the Lutheran brethren, we like if you go through Luther's Small Catechism, which honestly is my favorite devotional book right now. I think I've been reading it on repeat for like two years alongside my Bible reading. And the the Apostles' Creed, for instance, teachings about God that are just um, tried and true. They're drawn from the Scriptures, but throughout all the centuries of the Church. The church has been like this. Is what we believe is true about God. This is who we are worshiping. We don't get to make up our own God. This is the God right here. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like going through that on repeat alongside my Bible reading um, has provided guardrails, you could say, yeah. that would guard against. Um, well, I would. The term that I've heard for it lately is it's biblicism. So on one hand, there's like the creeds and confessions. Like these are the things that, that the church holds as true, but biblicism says, okay, we don't need any of that. Just whatever, whatever we see, it must automatically mean whatever I think it means. And so we can take verses out of context or we can twist them, or we can accidentally fall into a heresy that happened like a thousand years ago Mm -hmm. that someone else read that and said, oh, this must mean this when throughout church history, that was actually really bad. And so I, I find that knowing church doctrine is a handy guardrail against going off on my own path. I think each one of us assumes, okay, if I just read the Bible, whatever I think it means is probably what it means. But sometimes we're wrong. And, and sometimes I think it's, It's helpful to have that community aspect, not just from our local community, but from a historic community of this is this is how we've done that. And so that would probably be my only hesitation in that. That said, God has just been so faithful, even when I am just reading my Bible. You know, I don't want people to be afraid to read their Bible alone or say, oh, am I going to totally twist this? But I, I firmly believe that this Christian life is never just. Jesus and me. It's Jesus meets us individually, but he also meets us communally. Mm -hmm. And so the only hesitation I have is you you totally, it's a wonderful thing to have individual Bible time, but that should be feeding into your community Bible time. Or if you have a question or something doesn't seem right, um, talk to someone about it or, or talk to your pastor about it and say, I don't understand this even when I do lead a Bible study, you know, we'll write down questions that I couldn't find the answers to in, in the books that I have. And we'll bring that to our pastor and, and we'll figure it out. But yeah, I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I love the multiple layer aspect of our relationship with Christ and how mm. you can go to the word on your own through the week and then Mm -hmm. come together. And, um, and I think that it is really vital to have that church body that you can, can study God's word with because other people will have other perspectives and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, the historical writings and stuff of those Mm -hmm. before us are important to, to look at and, and know. So if you're trying to like get to, crack this code of like oh wait a minute I think that this means something totally different than what I've been hearing <laughs> then you're like oh maybe maybe that's that's something you should like check but yeah.
0: a little but, red flag yeah, just in little, case
1: little yeah. red flag yeah yeah but like especially as we like come together I think that it does also help us like even with like sermons and mm-hmm. um devotionals helps us kind of see like how other how someone else is unpacking God's word and how that kind of lines up and I think that for me that helps me a little bit too as I'm reading through um kind of just the rhythm of of what it looks like to to look at the whole of the passage that I'm reading and kind of get in there because yeah God's word isn't gonna contradict itself we're not gonna find Mm -hmm. some some like gem that means something totally different than what the rest of God's word saying in one verse yeah
0: yeah, there, there's, there's not the contradictions, but you'll find some, some tensions yes. that you hold together, and, um, you know, as, as Lutherans, we, we embrace tension and we embrace mystery and we, which I love personally so much because, um, it's admitting that God knows, God's thoughts are above my thoughts, and so it's, it's almost a acknowledging the tension or acknowledging the the mystery of, of certain things is, ends up almost being a form of worship of God, you are so much bigger than I am.
1: Yes. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of lets us rest in the Lord more, I think, with those tensions instead of feeling like Mm -hmm. we have to, to figure the whole thing out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we, like, we all experience difficult times in our lives, whether, that's loss or like betrayal of a close friendship financial hardship chronic pain a child walking away from the faith um devastating medical um (laughs) diagnoses um I mean you name it the world's full of suffering and brokenness and so how do we know that God will use his word to speak to our hearts during these times
0: yeah I um I recently had a conversation with someone on on my uh, on the podcast I do, <laughs> over yeah. at, uh freely given. I didn't mean to plug that, but there you
1: go. Um, you can, you can. You, people should go <laughs> check it out. It's great. <laughs> but we were
0: talking about lament and how in the Psalms the psalmist is is crying out to God, and um, with sometimes with with frustration or saying. Um, how long or why is this happening? And if you read through the Psalms, it's almost uncomfortable how boldly the Psalmist approaches the Lord. But one thing that the, the guy we were interviewing was saying that God gave us those words to pray. Not only are we allowed to cry out to him, but he gives us Words that are probably more bold than we would even feel comfortable with that we're allowed to pray to Him, and that really struck me as um, one of the things I love to do with the scriptures is is just pray through the scriptures, especially the Psalms. Praying through the Psalms can be just mind blowing. I know a lot of my older kids um, in this last year really struggled praying aloud, or they they struggled, which I mean, don't we all? But just I was wanting to teach them to pray. And when they were little, we memorized the Lord's prayer together. But they still didn't really, um, when I would say, you know, we should pray about that, or you should pray about that, there was always this hesitation. And so um, for devotions for our family, we just started reading through the Psalms on repeat for the year. And it's amazing um, what the kids are writing in the margins of, of their copies of the Psalms. It's just like wow, that is strong, or I can't believe they said this to God, or I, you know, and Mm -hmm. all of these things in the margins and, but it starts giving you an idea of this is an invitation God is giving us in the Psalms of we get to pray these things, and he's not afraid of our uh, wrestling and the suffering, or he's not afraid of our grieving or our lament, he actually meets us there and so i think in especially I mean, that's just one example there's there's several others there's there's the story of jacob wrestling with god there's the whole book of job and when um at the end of job after job had questioned god and god had you know basically shown his strength saying where are you at the end god tells Job says job is the one who did what was right it wasn't all the other people who were trying to put a neat bow on everything for job it was job who talked to god directly and saying i i don't understand i think that's just such a huge comfort to me that god invites invites us into that
1: yeah yeah i think that that's so is so true for me with um with how much the the psalms just speak our hearts um in times when I feel like we have like when you're in when when I'm in deep grief sometimes like I have no words um it's like Lord I'm just so upset I I don't even know where to start and I think the psalms for me just they they bring those words when I don't have any and the other thing when I I had uh stillbirth back in 2019 and um, when I had that loss of that baby I just had never experienced loss at that level before and that deep grief and I think there was this I remember this turning point where I was really angry and I was like "Um, I can just be angry at God and how this worked out and figure out how I can help myself with other things like that yeah. bottle of wine looks real tempting to down at night mm-hmm. before I go to bed or, um, just other places to just mm-hmm. put, check my mind into. And, um, instead of God, just really drew me into wrestling with him. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big turning point. I think for me was to just have God just be like, you can, you talk to me about it you don't need to binge that TV show or try to sleep all the time or whatever you're looking for yeah. to fix yourself. You can you can bring me your anger and your hurt and that's that's the place I want you to be even if it feels uncomfortable. And that getting God drawing me into those prayers and into his word at that time was just so important for me and I think that like as as I am um, talk about being together in the word, I think that's part of what sparked my current passion for like no, you need God's words so important because when the stuff hits the fan, that's that's the place that will give you hope <laughs> and a foundation yeah I I
0: just read a book um, where prayer becomes real. It was by Kyle Strobel and in- John Coe, maybe was the other author, but talking about where God meets us in truth. And so many times we try to present some sort of pretense of ourselves to God, or we're we're trying to get ourselves together almost as a way to honor him. Like, okay, well, I'm not really good enough. Like I'm really angry right now. So I better deal with my anger first and then come to God, or I better deal with this first. And what, what I've learned is that coming to God with, um, if my heart is angry about something that is God is the heart fixer. (laughs) So I have to bring that and and expose that to him in truth. Um, And that that is um, that's almost an act of confession where you just say, this is where it's at. This is where I'm at. And it is not a good place. And I am so upset. And I don't know what to do about it. Um, God works in truth. He works in the light. He doesn't work with the fake, you know, holy versions of ourselves. He's waiting till we get to the ground level. This is where I'm at. Um, and, And that's, that's what I love about learning about Bible reading and how it feeds into prayer and feeds into our relationship with the Lord. Um, I I have been right there with you, Karen, where there have been times when it's almost an act of faith to ask God the hard questions that you're afraid to ask him. and. It's almost easier to do that when you're coming from a place of security, knowing that he loves you no matter what. And when you come from that place of security, I mean, think of it like as a, as a foster child, you know, we have a lot of, of foster kids in our church and, um, and foster families. And the first couple of weeks, those kids are trying to hold it together to be really, really good for their foster parents but they're dealing with a lot of issues that their foster parents are very aware that they're dealing with and are just kind of waiting for them to get down to what's really going on. And I I think with our adoption in Christ, as we're trying to figure out what it means to be a child of God, God knows we are dealing with these things. But a lot of times we're just trying to pretend well enough to please him, not understanding the depth of love and the depth of help that he is offering. Um, I don't know, just watching that the families in our church have taught me a lot and made me think about how I act around God and how God is wanting to meet me in a place of truth.
1: Yeah. 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 I like that analogy. So, um, We'll, we'll jump into this next question here. Uh, law, gospel, distinctive theology is important to you. So in our theological circles, sometimes we can talk about law, gossip, distinctive. And um, I think a lot of times that leaves like a lot of us being like, so what does that mean? What does the verbiage mean there? And, uh, and why is it important? Yeah, so
0: this is... Um... If you have done a lot of Bible studies in your LB church that are not LB sourced, you may not know law gospel distinctions super well. There's not um not all of them teach it. So, and honestly, this is one of those distinctives that separates the biblicism of I'm just going to read it and do it and not worry about anything historical context. Um as as opposed to a historic faith. And so law gospel is something my grandpa taught me and it was so important to him that he drilled it in from the youngest years I can think of. Um, so he, and he would say in his deep voice, he would say, the law says do, and the gospel says done. And he would say it with such a smile on his face um, because for him, that was the biggest joy that he could share with someone. So it wasn't like something pressure driven. It was, I I am so passionate about giving you rest that you need to know this doctrine. You need to know in order to be able to rest in Christ, you need to know law gospel. So as you're going through the Bible, anything where it says do or don't do, that is law. And then um, gospel is when um, you're reading that Christ did that. So Christ did that on your behalf. So there's definitely different, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, different uses or functions of the law that um, that are useful to us and that the Holy Spirit use, uses and works in our life. I think in our catechism, the, the first use is to show us our sin the second use is um, to curb sin. So so we're not hurting each other all the time. and then the third use is, is to teach us what is good. so we can distinguish what is what is right and wrong. And so that that is all good. The, it's not like law bad gospel good. It, it's not like that. But I think what we tend to do when we go to the Bible is sometimes we'll see law, and we will try to break it into manageable pieces so that we can do it and please God. Mm -hmm. And that would be a misuse of the law. So the law does those things, but it always brings us to this point of, wait a second, I need Jesus and I need His righteousness because I am gonna do this imperfectly. Every, every way around it. Even if I think that I'm doing it perfectly, well, then I'm dealing with pride and because I'm not, or, or blindness. So when you have law and gospel distinctions, you have a really, really high view of the law. So it means that the law is so holy, so beautiful, so unobtainable. It's not something we can break into bite-sized pieces and just make a tidy little life for ourselves. That's not how we view the law. But then the gospel is God's grace that takes away all the sin of not meeting the law. And so when we are going through passages to find, like there there are certain passages, like one example that I go through when I'm teaching Titus 2 in in gospel mentoring on on mentoring younger women, Titus 2 can look very law-based, like teach the younger women to do this and to do this and to do this. And when it when you find a passage that is very law based like that, one thing my grandpa taught me is always zoom out and see where the gospel is is found in this. And I didn't have to zoom very far. In Titus two verses one, it talked about um, teach what accords with sound doctrine, teach what it what accords to the gospel of Christ. And then it then it went on, and then right after Titus um, the passage on women, it talks about how. God's grace is what's training us in all of this. It's his loving kindness. It's, it's him taking away our sin that is training us. And when you're looking for both of them, you're going to see Christ working on your behalf. And when you're just going through and not looking for Christ, it can, it can be a way to read the Bible that can be very burdensome because the burdens just keep piling and you start feeling more and more suffocated because you're not you're not finding where Christ is on your behalf in the text. Um, and so that, that's why one of the reasons I'm so passionate about law and gospel distinctions and, and teaching women that is because that's where the rest is. And, and that's where we can find peace with um, ourselves and with God. I don't know if we have time for one more tangent on that, but yeah, <laughs> I told you I could talk about long gospel distinctions like just forever. Like we can go. <laughs> um, one of the things that it teaches in Galatians is in Christ, mm-hmm. there is no more, there, not no more, in Christ, there's no slave or free male or female or, or anything like that. And so one thing I've noticed in my study of law and gospel distinctions, which I think it's important for women to know, is that um, when it comes to law, you're going to get a lot of particulars. I mean, you look in the book of Leviticus, there's rules for men and there's rules for women. And um, you look in Genesis, um, circumcision was something that was done to men. It was not something that was done to women, which was actually one of the arguments of the early church fathers, and it's a little bit in the New Testament, of, well, salvation can't come through circumcision because then that would mean that only men are saved. And that's not how God works. God is redeeming everybody. And so law can be gendered. It can be for particular people. The gospel, however, is for all people. It is for everybody. There are no particulars in that. And so a lot of times in women's Bible studies or in women's groups, we will cherry pick the verses that address just women. And we'll say, okay, let's just study the, the women's passage or, or let's do this one, which works sometimes if we get into the narrative passages like the book of Ruth or others that I can think of, um, can't think of right now, but when it Mary Magdalene would probably be another one. Um, but when we're talking about instructions for women, what ends up happening is we can have women's ministries that are very very law heavy where we're just teaching the law to women all the time because we're not zooming out to the gospel or we're we're shying away from passages that are more for everybody because we're wanting that particular and so that that's another reason why I like to share with with women to teach them law and gospel distinctions because otherwise I I can't tell you how many times I have spoken at a, at an event whether it's a tea or a a weekend retreat and I will share the gospel as clearly as I possibly can and there's women who have been in the church for 30 40 years who will have tears on their face saying I mean I've heard this I just didn't know it was for me like I I didn't hmm. I didn't I didn't know that was for me I I've never I've never heard that passage applied to women before i i didn't know and that that breaks my heart but also makes me keep going because i want women to know that those got those the gospel passages are for them too yeah because and so um yeah long gospel distinctions it's where all the freedom is and all the rest is and and for a lot of women who are feeling burdened or feeling tired or feeling like they're not enough. They, they need a very strong view of Christ and the gospel. Um, because that's, that's the
1: cure for that. So yeah. You yeah. And, uh, I think that it's a, a different lens almost. You have to start training your brain to look for it. Um, yeah. I, Grew up uh, when I was younger, looking for looking for the law, and mm-hmm. um, I think that through through my time um, in the Lutheran Brethren, and um, you know, when and Daniel was in and seminary, and just talking about uh, looking at the finding Jesus through the whole Bible, so not just finding him in the New Testament, but finding him in in the Old Testament, and I realized like I haven't read through. The old testament looking for jesus looking for the gospel and uh that really reading it through that lens looking for jesus looking for the gospel in these things really changed my perspective
0: oh my goodness i i am so there with you and so when people say the law is the old testament and the gospel is the new testament i'm like oh actually no there's no there's both in in both of them it yeah. is throughout the whole bible finding Christ in the old Testament is fairly new to me as well. And the more I see it, the more it just blows my mind. It it's, um, yeah, we just did an episode episode on, on Christ in Proverbs 31, and it just totally blew my mind of of just how is Christ for you in this? And, um, and that's where, that's something I wouldn't have found on my own that's, that's something that comes from a community of believers of, um, that communion of saints where, where they pointed out to me that Jesus says in the new Testament, all of scriptures are about me and we have to take him at his word then. So what does it mean? It's all about him. It it's mind blowing when you use that lens, it it changes everything.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's like, to think of Jesus as God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, not just God as the judgment God in the Old Testament and then the good loving God in the New Testament, to, to change that and see the loving God through Jesus through the whole thing is just huge.
0: Yeah, I I was just reading the other day of in the book of Exodus when uh, Moses got the two tablets on Mount Sinai and he went down from Mount Sinai and found the he found the Israelites worshiping the golden calf. And he threw the tablets at them and broke the tablets. And then he had to go back up to the mountain to get a second set of tablets, basically telling God, you know, we broke your law literally and figuratively in every single way in like less than a minute. And God's response to him is... I am, I am the God who is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness and graciousness. Like that is the first words out of God's mouth after Moses has to go back up, um, where he's just, he says, this is who I am. I am a loving, gracious, patient God. And that just struck me so much. I just Mm -hmm. like, what a gospel message for Moses in that moment of complete and utter failure to keep the law it anyway when you when you see it 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 just kind of blows your mind a little bit
1: yeah and i think it just it takes a little bit it takes some intentional training to -hmm. to start looking for it like for me it didn't happen overnight um and i mean i still i guess i i think it's natural for us to gravitate towards the law and what we can do i see it um I think the best example is my kids and how they uh-huh. gravitate towards the law um, when yeah. they are talking about scripture, and then it's like, oh man, from a young age, um, it's just it's just kind of our our human nature. So to to train your brain, and I think we're afraid that uh, we won't be motivated to to do what we're supposed to do if we don't focus mm-hmm. on the law, and uh, there's just this. I've realized that for me, when I, when I focus on the law, I'm I'm actually really focusing a lot on myself. And it's it's like, it becomes a, a selfish thing instead of, um, motivated in Christ. Um, I, I, I found that it's much more motivating knowing that God is, has done it. And I can do things from a place of, uh, security in Christ um in when i go out to to talk to a neighbor or um mm-hmm. to to uh do what i feel like god's calling me to do it's it's just so different being motivated from like the stick of the law and instead yeah. of that love of of Christ
0: yeah it talks about that um in lots of places the first place i'm thinking about is in titus 3 but a lot of times we think, okay, the law tells us what to do and not to do, and that's all we need. Um, but we need that motivation. And the scripture says that motivation comes from the gospel, that comes from Christ. And so if you want people to do good works, give them the gospel and give it to them heavy, because scripturally, that is where the motivation comes from. That's where the power comes from um, to do any good works. And so when you're sharing the gospel with someone or looking for the gospel in the word or that christ lens um it's not for the reason of saying okay now we don't have to do any more good works that's that's actually the whole motivation that's the power um and so that seems so counterintuitive to me it's something i continually have to remind myself of um it's interesting to think of that Even with my own kids, I mean, kids obviously need the law or they will die. And, you know, and, but also I'm learning even as a homeschool mom, motivating them if they're struggling with motivation, that comes from the gospel. And so doing that counterintuitive, giving them gospel when I just want to not, you know, Finding that that's more effective where they can work from a more secure place of okay I can do this than this place of anxiety of if I don't do this you know my whole life will fall apart and so I mean yeah I, I think about there's a, a passage talking about the law was a guardian for um, for Israel and I think of that for my kids sometimes too the law is the guardian for them it's it's keeping them alive. Long enough to <laughs> to hear this gospel, but I but knowing the power of the gospel is actually greater and stronger, and um, that where all of the the power and motivation comes from. Um, once you recognize that, the way that you interact with people, the way you interact with yourself, the the way you motivate yourself to even read the Bible, all of that, we keep reaching for the law thinking, okay, this is going to make us better Christians when the gospel is where that's where all of that's at. And so it's going to feel counterintuitive because we have a sin nature and it goes against any self-righteousness that we have within us. Like, no, I really want to be righteous on my own. And so it's that that counterintuitive to our natural self-righteousness But that's where his grace is training us. No, this is all Christ's righteousness. It's going to be all him. It's going to be everything for him. And um, I'm going to start crying now because, (laughs) because it has meant so much to me. It has meant so much to me to know the gospel that Jesus died for me. And I get to live on his righteousness and he loves me that much. It, it just changes everything
1: yeah amen amen and i i love when when it when you can accept it just for you personally he loves me not it's it's, again sometimes it's easier for me to be like i'm just gonna picture this in in the in the bigger picture but when you kind of get down to the gospel is is for Mm -hmm. me and those it it does it it's incredible
0: yeah, like I said, when we had our conversation on, on Christ in Proverbs 31, we we got a message from a woman who said she was listening to it while she was jogging, and she just stopped dead in her tracks and she realized, you know, I thought that when people said, Christ is for me, like he was like rooting for me or he was like wanting me to be more righteous or all of that. But when she realized this is Christ working on my behalf, these are the things he's doing for me. Mm it was so personal of it is his righteousness that is now her righteousness. And she said it just stopped her dead in her tracks when she was in a full run of just like knock the wind out of her. Mm. Yeah. And I, I know this is the same reason you get excited about law and gospel distinctions, because this is where the power is. Yeah. This is, this is where you get to see Christ's be magnificent in all of his glory and it will knock the wind out of you and say oh lord you are that good you are that great it i i just can't stop talking about it
1: yeah well thank you gretchen thank you for coming on thank you for talking about some of these things and just uh, starting to unpack uh what it means to be together in the word um really really important and uh i hope that some women can just be encouraged to uh to really think on this and and get into their bibles
0: well thanks for having me on it's like my favorite topic so (laughs) i love it
1: all right thanks so much gretchen